You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Vixens or Vixies in the crowd. Um, this is Maddie, your host, the Voluntary Vixens podcast, joined as usual by my lovely co host, Jesse. Hello. <laughs> and tonight we are joined by um, a very, like, the world is so small, and I think, like, we're always exactly where we need to be, where, when we need to be there. And um, I think. The person I'm going to introduce is a is a very good example of that and um, how speaking out, speaking your truth, speaking your mind and not caring what other people have to say about it or what other people are going to think is going to be the kind of thing that unites you with people in ways that you did not think possible, you never thought were going to happen and make you feel a lot less alone in this crazy, messed up, stupid clown world. <laughs> You know, amid the backdrop of like how beautiful we know this world is, right? But um, so anyway, tonight we are joined by my friend, and I still consider you my colleague, uh, Dr. Jancy Lindsay. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm I'm so good, thank you. So, Dr. Lindsay is a PhD in what is it, molecular biology, biology and biochemistry. Okay, and then so like you've got a background in pulmonary toxicology. Um, you work uh, for yourself in the private sector as a toxicology consultant. And I know you deal with, um, you know, risk assessments in various categories. And you've done like lab research, hands-on experience for most of your life. And uh, you live in the fr- nice free state of Texas. And uh, I'm very lucky to have met you this many times as I have in person. Um, and you know, oh, likewise, none of those will be the last time. So we'll uh, reunite again in um a, in a new, unique way that we didn't have before. So in my absolutely, interview, as I alluded to, you know how important it is to speak your mind. Dr. Lindsay totally kind of saved my <laughs> my morale. Um, I can't remember when it was exactly. Was it December, Jancy? Maybe around that time. It yeah. had to have been around that time, December, January or so. And it was around the time where everybody was getting kind of disgustingly excited, I want to say, about the vaccine rollout. And, you know, there were, I think, a lot of reasons for us to be concerned then. I think there's a lot of reasons for us to still be concerned. And so I had been waiting all year for one of my experts to say something, to say, to question anything, any bit of the narrative that we'd been hearing. And I didn't get a single one. I got one expert, um, and I may have told you this, Dr. Lindsay, he is a uh, pulmonary pathologist up in Boston at a very uh, prestigious institution, and he's Romanian. And so he knows like what it's like to come from a communist country. 
And actually, like, it's funny because he called um, like Air Canada. He's like, those guys are a bunch of communists. Like, don't fly on their planes. <laughs> and that, like, so that's how I that's those are like to me what I consider like bona fides. I'm like, all right, I can uh, this guy gets it. <laughs> so I remember like and this was the only glimmer of hope I had before your email heard around the world. And I won't say it's not heard around the world, but it was that impactful for me. But, um, you know, he, he had only even mentioned that, you know, hospitals were empty and, you know, his, his cancer patients were, um, going to experience a lot of negative Mm. consequences because how criminal is that for these patients? I mean, it's just so much so. So like he was pointing things out, like, the obvious, whereas everybody else seemed to have tunnel vision and was very drunk on the Kool-Aid until I got, until I got word that you wrote this email that basically verbalized a lot of things that I was, I was thinking myself and I was, I'd been reading about and I'd been hearing about. And then a few other things that scared me even more. Um, But I think, you know, they're all meant to make us ask the necessary important scary questions because reality of it is like this is a very scary time for all of us it is it is and i think that not enough is really getting out and getting into the media where people can listen to it like many of us are on the media that's uh alternative that exposes us to this on a regular basis that the alternative narrative uh while while the majority of people i still feel are not um, they're hearing the mainstream news that is that is really propaganda at this point and has been legalized propaganda since 2013. Many people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an act that was changed in 2013, which allowed legalized propaganda through our news stations in the U.S. And um, I think you guys have talked about this, but uh, tax it, funded, too. Right. Like <laughs> right. Pay to be right. Propaganda. So <laughs> the whole trust, the media or trust with the media are are saying um, they're not liable for for anything that they say that isn't true. And they are heavily funded by by the pharmaceutical industry, um, you know, for which I have worked for a number of years and different points. And so I've you know, I'm certainly not um, coming from a position. In fact, I'm a, I'm a defense expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90% of the time. And I work for a lot of corporations and helping them try to understand mechanisms of disease, what's what's causing diseases that are claimed or alleged or, or how it's not causing those things. So um, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, anti-vaxxer type uh, person from background at all. I, I helped develop a contraceptive vaccine on a team in the 90s. Um, you know, cautionary tale from that was that we were working on a contraceptive vaccine that was meant to be temporary. This was around the time that Deborah Provera was was coming out. This would have been a great contraception uh, contraceptive technique because it would have blocked the actual fertilization of the egg. Uh, you know, locked out the sperm so that you wouldn't have fertilization as compared to some other contraceptive vaccines at the time that allowed fertilization and then just didn't mm-hmm. support uh, the resultant embryo. Right. So it was it was really exciting. And uh, we 
thought that we did the necessary things to prevent it from having any autoimmune reactions. And unfortunately it did. It did cause autoimmune ovarian destruction, even though uh, you know, the team tried its best. And certainly I was a junior scientist, so I didn't play a role as, as, as much as others did in the lab. But um, what it taught me is that uh, animal experiments are so necessary in order to see whether something is going to have an effect or not have an effect. And different animals also are necessary because a, uh, an effect you see in one animal may not pertain to another, depending on their physiology. Uh, bi and biology. So coming from that background and then seeing some posts that, that the spike protein, which was going to be used as the immunogen, could have similarities to some other proteins called syncytins, syncytin 1 and syncytin 2, that are essential for placentation and also um, just the development of the embryo. Uh, there, it's present in sperm head, it's present in the ovaries, uh, the testes, really uh, alerted me to a potential problem. Mm, yeah. And I feel like, you know, instead of, um, instead of the very thorough research and literature reviews and countless hours that people like you and me in support of other experts doing similar things for, you know, these defense, usually defense, right. defense clients, right? Like we're usually digging through literature and we're searching for answers and we're going through a very scientific process, trying to find the answer so that we can bring the truth to court. And so Absolutely. that, yeah. and so like you and I, you, especially cause like this is your business and you've been doing this for a lot longer than I've even been involved. Um, and again, I'm not an expert, right? I just work with them and for them. And um, I have to go you through- You are an you know, expert. <laughs> I'm, I, what, I've, what I've started I'm saying is- I'm not a great like, expert. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm an expert at providing support for expert witnesses <laughs> is what I am. But so like, you know, we spend so much time and like asking really hard questions, answering really hard, difficult questions. Like, and I've seen none of that. None of that from the main, the quote unquote mainstream side. So, you know, the concerns that you raised uh, and you and uh, many others raised about some sitting in, um, you know, the fertility, potential fertility issues generally, um, you know, apparently it just, it's, it's suitable for people to just say and assume and repeat the narrative of, oh, it's safe. It doesn't cause, it's, it doesn't cause fertility issues. Like, nope, just, that's it. Yeah. Check boxes checked. And it's like, this is the exact same behavior that you and other defense experts typically who are usually in, um, you know, on the side in assisting these big businesses defend, rightfully defend their product. Like it is not the cause of the issue. And so here we are to put these scientific arguments together and prove these points. But and usually so, there's a literature base that goes along yes, with it. <laughs> yes. And so I think that raises a good point though. So I'm sure um, one way that they've kind of gotten away with so many things this year is by continuously repeating the fact that it's a novel coronavirus. It's novel guys. So like everything we knew about past coronaviruses or respiratory illnesses or anything or even 
those even the SARS virus, the the, the original. Mm-hmm. But it's really not novel. It's not novel from a research perspective because it's been <laughs> studied in many iterations over many years. Um, and and you know, I just had sent you something recently. So uh, one of the latest issues that has come out is the cardiomyopathies in children, and the seeming, you know. N- non-recognition of cardiomyopathies like heart attacks in adults okay so they're now saying oh there's all these cardiomyopathies in children and so uh we need to look at them but we're ignoring the frank heart attacks in adults because that isn't a cardiomyopathy well people would be interested to know that in 1992 ralph barrick's lab published a paper on the use of coronavirus as a model system in rabbits for the study of cardiomyopathies. So as early as 1992, it was recognized that coronavirus caused cardiomyopathies and in fact could be used as a model system to study Mm. cardiomyopathies, much in the way that we use bleomycin, a chemotherapeutic drug, to study pulmonary fibrosis as a model and then modulate from that point. It's it's kind of like the set point. We know that it's going to cause, bleomycin causes pulmonary fibrosis, so you can do a number of things to try to ameliorate that in your model, but you know it's going to cause pulmonary fibrosis. In Barrick's lab, they knew coronavirus was going to cause cardiomyopathies and they proposed that it could be used as a model to study cardiomyopathies. So my problem is there were hundreds of papers after this on coronavirus inducing cardiomyopathies. And somehow all these scientists have stayed silent on the fact that this is well known, well published on, and this is a novel thing we're seeing in patients, cardiomyopathies due to coronavirus. Even in the infection, I remember people coming out and being surprised. Oh my gosh, we're seeing cardiomyopathies. This wasn't a surprise. This was well-known scientific research for over 25 years. So they're lying. They're not telling the truth. They're not coming out. Um, it's known that coronavirus can induce cardiomyopathies and it can induce it through spikes. So what are we doing? We're producing the spike protein. The spike binds to ACE receptors. The ACE receptors are modulated. This causes the cardiomyopathies. Even the pathways have been well, well documented. And yet we're somehow surprised scientifically <laughs> by this. The CDC is surprised. No, this, no. this is ridiculous. This is scientific malfeasance. Um, and nothing else. So what my question is, is, okay, we're seeing cardiomyopathies in children and we're investigating it. The CDC is investigating this. What do you normally do if you are investigating a drug that causes damage, including death in children? Do you allow it to still be administered or do you stop while you do the investigation to find out what's going on? To prevent further damage. Stop. And they delayed their meeting for another week, yeah. even though they know that coronavirus does this. Yeah. If there's any question that the CDC is not corrupt, it's well, gone. you're not paying attention. <laughs> it's gone. No, been, it's not a matter of not paying attention. No, no, no. These are educated scientists. For a long time. <laughs> this is deliberate malfeasance. Yeah, they don't get the excuse of I didn't know. They have dozens of researchers and scientists who would have done this investigation 
Look up for yourself cardiomyopathies due to coronavirus and look back in the 90s, look back even in the 80s, look back in the 2000s. It's been well, well studied. There is no excuse for this. There is no need for extensive research into whether or not this is really happening. The Japanese biodistribution study let us know that uh, spike is being distributed throughout all of the organs uh, with respect to the Pfizer vaccine. Therefore, spike is available at ACE receptors to cause this damage, and there is no question of it. Um, so on that position. Note yeah, and I will stand that. behind it scientifically because it's there. It, it's there and it makes sense. Like, I think if you if, if you just kind of even look a tiny bit, like the answers are there. Um, you just have to really like want to um, have reason to. And... But then why wouldn't you stop in kids while you're investigating, right? Uh, and that absolutely. Uh, even the WHO has recently just come out. Uh, oh, I was going to mention no. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't advise gonna... giving the coronavirus vaccines, any of them, to children under 18, which of course begs the question, what, what about that? 19? How much safer is it for age 19? How about age 25? Can you tell me the percentage of greater safety it is for, for age 25 as compared to age 17? How about 45? What is the difference between a 45-year-old getting the vaccine as compared to a 16-year-old? Tell me the physiologic difference in the heart muscle and where the spike localizes in a 16-year-old compared to a 25 or 45 or 65-year-old. So I can understand why it's not safe anymore for a child to get it, but it's still safe for an adult to get it, even though the same physiological and biological mechanism is there, that is BS. And I'm being very frank. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's just the no, way it is. That's what, we're, that's what you're here to do. I mean, part of the reason why I think maybe is because they can't, they need to have some people left behind to reproduce. So <laughs> let's just get rid of the older folks, you know, <laughs> but that's just my conspiracy mind kind of going a little crazy. I don't think it's a conspiracy when science has been turned on its head, when herd immunity is suddenly not attainable through natural infection, but it either has to be totally through vaccination, artificial vaccination, or through um, the majority of it through vaccination. That's never been heard of before. We know yeah. that the hydroxychloroquine studies in the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine were frank frauds. Yeah, being run by a stripper in a an adult <laughs> content model. Oh, um, I didn't know that I, I part. Can't get wow. any worse That's than that. Wonderful. Uh, on the database, and and of course, none of this made it out much to the mainstream news. That 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 the two journals that are supposed to be the most respected journals amongst yeah. the most respected journals in the Beacons world. Beacons of integrity, crap. right? Yeah. Pure crap about hydroxychloroquine, which was not true. Hydroxychloroquine is very safe and effective. And up until just after they demonized it um, on the CDC website, it advocated for pregnant women and children uh, to be receive hydroxychloroquine and still does, but the, the language has changed a little bit uh, as a malarial prophylactic as it's been used for over 70 years on a daily basis. And I've had uh, cases that involved the chloroquines in toxic 
from the chloroquines, and I can tell you that they are very safe. Uh, oh, so all of that was just a means to an end to get the EUA approval to to try to say that there weren't other safe and effective medicines available. Yeah, and so that was all a lie. Yeah, it so was purposeful fraud, and those people should go to jail. I agree. Jail would be kind. Mm -hmm. It would, it's just amazing how it's been uh, just swallowed up and eaten by so many people. Like they just ready to just believe everything that they've been told by the media. But when you actually talk about what you're talking about, like when you've actually read the journals and you've looked at the history of the study of coronavirus, it's still like these people can't, they, it's amazing to me how people still can't change their mind. And I don't know why. Why would you want to believe the? Why would you want to believe that you have to get this vaccine? Like I just—it's a that. psychological safety mechanism for those that have already gotten the vaccine because yeah. they can't admit to themselves that they they would purposefully do themselves harm through not investigating more, through not trusting people. They have to reverse a mindset which basically admits that they didn't do their due diligence and that they were trusting when they shouldn't have been. And that goes against most people's psychological safety mechanism for, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Um, other people just have a problem. We've been so ingrained with trusting the government and trusting those organizations that we believe will safeguard us, that they don't believe that anybody could be that um, heinous or yep. that. And even if you don't think that it was purposeful if you believe that it that it was just an error in uh, the design of the vaccine all the things that happened after we saw the first few hundred deaths <laughs> you know yeah which of mm -hmm. course in theirs okay in theirs and of course there was v-safe too so we have two competing mechanisms theirs and v-safe which people are reporting in, which dilutes the VAERS. Mm -hmm. um, and then is VSAFE then also reporting into VAERS because that's, that's run through a different mechanism. Are they being combined? We see now see cases being removed from the CDC VAERS website, deaths being removed. Um, I, I have uh, someone who's been contacting me who's been trying to report VAERS for her hospital and the CDC has contacted her multiple times on single patients and said, oh, well, we have to have a picture of a vaccine card. We have to have all this information, uh, which she doesn't have anymore. She's just retrospectively reporting on patients that came to her hospital mm -hmm. uh, as a duty, as is mandated. And they are saying that they will not file the report without all this extra information. She's doing this in her off time. They have nobody. It's very important for people to understand that hospitals do not have designated people to report these VAERS cases. Where is the money from the CDC and from the government to pay people in every single hospital in the U.S. to report VAERS vaccine-related injuries for an experimental vaccine that's never been used in humans before, that's, that's a genetic biologic where where's the money for that? They're spending, you know, millions on an advertising campaign to get people vaccinated, but they can't even spend that money to make sure every hospital has somebody that's reporting VAERS injuries as is mandated mm -hmm. into the system. And I can mm -hmm. tell you that this girl got written up for yeah. 
trying to report cases. She was threatened with her job for trying to report cases. She I've was heard also many told, stories of that. I mean, this is crazy. This yeah. is what the public is trusting uh, to inform them as to the safety of these vaccines. Well, now the CDC is saying that they're safe for kids, but the WHO is saying they're not. Who should they trust? And if they're not, what about the AstraZeneca vaccine that's now been pulled from Europe? Well, it was safe. People were assured it was safe up until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. When do we say this is an experimental vaccine? It has to have more study. There's no necessity for it right now. There's not a huge number beyond people that have been vaccinated, ironically, that are getting COVID. These are the people in hospital right now. Yeah, I just heard I just heard Israel's going through a huge surge right now. And we all know how highly vaccinated he yeah. is. Right. Well, and India too. India too. So the most highly vaccinated countries are the ones, and many people have reported on it. Alex Berenson, uh, several other people have reported on the startling phenomenon and coincidence yeah. of the the huge increase in coronavirus cases in the most vaccinated countries. Well, there's an explanation for that. Well, there's two. There's two. One is that the immunization is actually causing immunosuppression and, and activating latent virus that's already there in, or in the environment. And another is that, uh, you know, the, the vaccines are contaminated somehow. And that would be more horrific. But it certainly does seem interesting that they're all getting the same variant cross-continent um, when it would seemingly be a mixture and that doesn't make a lot of sense. So there are a lot of things that don't make any scientific sense about the cases that we're seeing, uh, the variants that we're seeing spread across populations. And it's not from a couple of gals going out to a nightclub in Singapore <laughs> on one night uh, that infected that to people to? across the country uh, with the same variant in the, in the two weeks following you know, people aren't that stupid. Um, well, something's going on. I mean, I think some people are. I think some people sadly <laughs> are that stupid. Like, I don't know, like that makes sense to them in their messed up, fear ridden mind. And um, because like you were kind of saying, and I think this, um, this applies, like it's a, it's a like mental or psychological defense mechanism. So anybody who has gotten this vaccine and absolutely cannot refuse to see that there might be something wrong with it. And, you know, great. It worked out well for them so far. Good. I, you know, I don't want to be like the bearer of bad news. I don't want bad things to happen to people. I don't want people to get sick. I don't want people to get hurt. Nobody does. No, that's why we're doing this. I would never so, exactly. have put my family that, that is why and we're everything doing this. on the line for everybody else to warn everybody else. My family is not getting this. I'm not doing this just for me. I am doing this and putting everything on the line for everybody else to let them know what's going on, to let them know this isn't normal science. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not safe. It's, it's not safe at all. And it's causing tremendous harm. It's causing deaths in children, in babies, in the trials, in healthy 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 year olds with no comorbidities. They're dropping dead of pulmonary emboli and cardiac arrest. What teenager dies of cardiac arrest with no prior history? 
These are killing children who were at a 0.003 and now even some new research says 0.00018% chance mm-hmm. IFR, infection fatality ratio, mm-hmm. because the initial numbers were wrong. Yeah. So you're taking kids at a 0% risk. We now have more vaccine-related deaths in children than we had COVID deaths by far. Correct. By far. So yeah. this is not protecting kids. First, do no harm. That is the edict for medical for medical professionals. For scientific professionals, it should be the same. You don't give somebody something that causes more harm than the thing that you're trying to prevent. Period. Definitely, right. Yeah, definitely. And seems you worse don't than, like, harm defenseless than. children mm-hmm. who well, have no voice. As a parent, you're their voice. And what you know, I'm. I don't know if you know, but I, I am a nurse and I've had to give vaccines in the hospital before. So I had never heard of VAERS when I was giving vaccines in the hospital. This is, and I, that's crazy. I know. Yeah. And we had a, we had a rule in our, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's, you know, nationwide that, um, you will be fined. Like the hospital will be fined a thousand dollars for every patient over the age of I think 50. If we don't offer them the pneumonia and the um, flu shot. Find. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. We had to. We had to document it that we at least (laughs) offered it. So, and you know, sometimes like you'll have some people that refuse it, but you have to document it somewhere. But then I always, I never thought about it really until all of this was going Mm -hmm. on. And I was like, well, what happens if we give a pay, you know, I was thinking like, what if I had given a vaccine to somebody and they Mm -hmm. had a reaction to the pneumonia shot or the flu shot. As many people do. There are lots would I, of reactions. I would never have known to report it. To report. And it's mandatory for you to report it in bear. So here's a disconnect. It is actually tell you legally that. mandatory for you to report adverse reactions into bears. And you don't have to give a ton of data. You don't. Now they're saying that you do, which is also against normal edict. It's for them to figure out what's going on. You don't have to figure out a mechanism. You're just supposed to report. You're supposed to report any adverse event that comes to your attention related to a vaccine. And you also have to give proper informed consent. You have to show them the document uh, that shows what their risks for death, for adverse events, could be from these various vaccines. And many people don't even do that. They don't even know that they're supposed to do that. Worse with these vaccines, apparently there are no labels or inserts that come with many of them. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say, because I know that when we would give a flu shot or any any vaccine within the hospital, we had to we had a sheet of paper that had all this information, which of course most patients just like threw it to the side and even look at it and right. took the shot. So that's another, like, they've been taught to trust. They've been taught to trust. Yes. And, but yeah, I, I don't remember anywhere in nursing school being told that we are mandated to report VAERS, like any, any vaccine reactions. I've never been told in any of my trainings that if a patient has a reaction to a vaccine, that this is where you report it. Um, And don't you think the CDC should be training hospitals and staff on that since that is the only way that we know what the rate of of adverse reactions are of course they should be but they don't because they're a for-profit institution they have vaccine patents of their own so how much of a conflict of interest is it 
for our regulatory really? agency, which tells you how many shots that you have to give your children and when, also owns patents on many of those shots yep. that they are telling you how often and when you have to have them and is earning a profit off of those shots, is also receiving money from the phar pharmaceutical industry. I mean, it's such a complete hogwash of conflict of interest, it's disgusting. That should not yep. be the regulatory agency that protects us. That is not okay. Well, and, and that maybe, reminds me, like I had a training just recently because I just got a new job. And one of the things that we bet we had to do was talk about, um, you know, informed consent. You know, we right. have to make sure when we're doing a procedure on a patient or our patient is going into surgery or they're getting a new medication, we have to give them informed information on those things so that they can they can legally consent. Make an educated yes. decision. Correct. If they don't know anything about the the surgery or they don't know anything about the new medication, for example, then they can't technically really consent to it because they don't know what they're agreeing to. That's right. by law. And uh, and then on top of that, you also have to that just kind of goes into with the children situation. They have to be of a certain age. They have to have a certain education level. Otherwise, they need to have a power of attorney to make that, you know, decision for them if they're not capable of making that decision for themselves. Right. So it makes me think about um, a story where I saw um, they were, this nurse was giving a vaccine to somebody who clearly looked like they had some kind of cognitive delay. Mental deficiency. Right. And they, mm -hmm. that patient was being held by their, by the staff because they're afraid of the needle, but I've seen the saying, yes, and in, in some autistic kids that have been forced to get vaccinations. Yes. That makes me so just sick to my stomach because yeah. I mean, my mom and dad both got the vaccine, even though I told them not to. And I asked them, I was like, Do you even know what this vaccine is? Do you know what an mRNA vaccine is? Which yeah. technically is not a vaccine, but you know. Right. Um biologic, a genetic biologic. And that they were they were like they they were like, we don't, we don't know. Like they kind of were caught with like, you know, they felt like little kids, like caught with their hand, their hand in the cookie jar. In the me. cookie jar. Yeah. Because they know I'm a nurse and they know, like, they don't know. They, <laughs> I know what it is and they don't. But they and got they it anyway because yeah. they figured that the government and the people that were protecting their health knew better than, than your instincts about I guess what was so. going on. Yeah. And I've had similar situations as well with, with several scientists that I know that um, should know better. Mm -hmm. um, they just felt that, that it was not possible for these agencies to have missed the mark on this. And surely the data by well-respected epidemiologists saying that the infection fatality rate was at that of the flu or less than they were wrong and the cdc was right mm -hmm. and even the cdc admits that they're similar at this point but they still want to get this experimental genetic vaccine if it was the flu would they get this experimental genetic therapy that had never before been used in humans and at which people are dropping dead in record numbers. All you have to do is look at VAERS. The fact that we've exceeded the number of deaths for the past 20 years from every single vaccine used before 
And some people say, oh, but we've never vaccinated so many people before. Well, yes, if you add up all the numbers of years of people that have been vaccinated, you actually do get to the real numbers mm -hmm. and comparable. And there are a lot more deaths from this vaccine than have ever been seen with any other vaccine we've ever used for a disease with an IFR of 99.997% in the majority of the population. How stupid do people have to be to not understand what's going on? Well, I think it's because people have been told they can't go back to normal until they get this vaccine. Because that's what my parents' biggest thing was, is I want to go on a vacation can, this summer. We can I travel. Go somewhere. And <laughs> I then they them, need to stand up. I told yeah. them you don't there's no law saying you can't travel yeah. right now. You're fine. You didn't need to go do this. No, there's not. People have voluntarily accepted a lot of these mandates as laws when they are not laws. They're mandates, they are not laws. And they are acting as if they're laws and they're being dispensed by the media, the propaganda media, as if they're laws and they're not. Yeah, people have got yeah. to stand up and people have to realize why are we letting these companies mandate that we get this vaccine for something that's changing on it, you know, monthly basis as far as the safety goes and what we know about it. And it's still experimental yet. I have to get this to work for you. I, You're going to make me get this to work for you. No, no. P even people that are vaccinated need to stand up at this point. Um, especially the ones who've got their children vaccinated and are now finding out that the dangers that they put their kids in for future and present cardiomyopathies and say, you lied to me. You lied to me and put my child in danger. You put me in danger and I'm, and I'm not going to have it anymore. We have a client who got her 15 year old son vaccinated, um, Pfizer, and yeah. she did not tell him anything about the shot, any kind of potential risks, any kind of potential side effects, nothing. And, you know, okay, a 15-year-old boy, like, I don't know, I've always been the kind of kid that asked questions. And I mean, I don't know, like, that, that seems like a specific lack of curiosity there too, or any kind of childhood rebellion, like, where's any of that these days even? And I, but again, I guess like, if you're especially if you're in these government schools and you're being programmed and your parents have totally bought in, then of course, like there's no other reality. There's no other uh, world other than the than the COVID hysteric world that you're living in, right? And so, this kid, I hope he's all right. I haven't received any updates, but he had after his second shot, like severe swelling of his lymph node under his armpit, severe soreness, mm -hmm. and you know he's lucky that that's it. And, you know, so another part of that was that like, as the, I guess, soreness and inflammation had spread, it seemed to have also like, as it was dissipating, like left some kind of like uh, muscle atrophy looking situation right. on his chest right. and like this very like athletic in shape young child. Like I, I know he was not. He needs to have him evaluated for cardiomyopathy sincerely. All I think parents... so too. All parents need to have their kids CBCs done that have had this shot. They need to make sure, now we know that it's going to the bone marrow as well from the biodistribution study. Dr. Bridal has warned of uh, lymphomas and leukemias oh, no. that we may be seeing in people that have received the vaccinations. 
So they need to have their CBCs done, see if there's any platelet depletion or uh, another uh, PA that I correspond with this warning of pancytopedias that she's seeing in her patients, just complete abrogation of all of all white cells, which, mm -hmm. which links to a bone marrow type cytotoxicity. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So that raises yeah, another point. You already mentioned, oh, actually, so let me just finish this thing. But so anyway, the kid is pissed that his mom didn't tell him anything. So, so. you know, parents, uh, parents, be. parents should be uh, very nervous about like what they're doing to their kids, but also what their kids are going to think of them once yep. truth does come out, you know? Like this matter. Like why did you give me an experimental vaccine for something yeah, that I had right? zero risk of dying from? That's the, that's the yeah. kind of thing I would never forgive my parents for. If that happened to me when I was a kid, I mean, you know, even the things that we did go through as kids and did get vaccinated for without full knowledge of what long-term effects might be. Because it goes back to like what you guys were saying about the vax, the VAERS mandated reporting. And so it, it's mandated, I believe, because of like, Something that was set up by the government, our best friends, um, in like the eighties, right? To to, yeah, to take Reagan, away any indemnity administration you know, to indemnify all these companies mm -hmm. so that they didn't have any liability for injuries from these vaccines in the U.S. So the like short end of the straw that we got, I guess, besides the fact that we get to pay for the liability instead of uh, right. the, the taxpayers the, do the taxpayers yes. get to pay for um, injuries and whatnot. And so besides that, so what they gave us um, was this VAERS reporting system, right? And so it's something that the CDC has, it's an official CDC government operation, right? It's not some right wing thing guys, like are any crazy, not that we have any like, you know, Right. Now, now it's, it's their database, us, which has been criticized for, you know, 20 plus years for being ineffective, even yeah. by Harvard, uh, who did that seminal study that showed that less than 1% of adverse events were reported into VAERS and came up with an alternative to it, which the CDC did never implemented. Never. Why would they? Because they don't want to, because they're funded by the pharma industry who doesn't want you to know how many adverse events there are. And, you know, I have to admit myself, I, I got into this and was introduced to a lot of vaccine injured parents or parents of, of children who were vaccine injured, uh, a whole population of which I had no knowledge of before. Yeah. And the stories that they have are just horrific and the trials that they've been through and trying to get compensation for medical for their children and trying to get legal support to help them navigate the VAERS compensation system. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just horrific. Yeah. I, uh, I never knew about this community. I never knew there were so many people, so many children that were injured. And, and that's another another they whole to, group. They try to silence them and push them back as uh, far as they under, can. Swept under the rug. Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. Um, you know, I, I selectively vaccinated our children, or we did, just because we have autoimmune disease in our family. And um I wanted to be careful, you know, risk versus reward. I wasn't going to vaccinate them for chickenpox. 
when that could have been lethal for them or damaging for them, whereas the chickenpox really wouldn't have been a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I did vaccinate them with some of the more controversial ones like the 12 valent pneumococcal when it came out and it was new just because I was worried about meningitis. And, and so I'm, I'm definitely, definitely wasn't, um, opposed to vaccination. It was more just a risk versus reward for my own particular family background. I have two sisters with juvenile diabetes. Um, we've got a lot of rheumatoid arthritis in our family. I have psoriasis. Uh, we've, we've been genetically studied by the University of Washington for our autoimmune background. Hmm. So um, to me, that's why I selectively vaccinated the way that I did. And I thought, well, if it's not going to kill them, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. And I think that's fair. I mean, and that's honestly the way we should be looking at this particular rollout. I yeah. think. Or maybe all of them, maybe all of us need to maybe all of them. Yeah. look and say, really, um, what was the prevalence of all these diseases that were vaccinated? Why are we giving neonates within seconds of birth? And I've always felt this way about hepatitis yeah. B within seconds of birth, the hepatitis B vaccine, which is a sexually transmitted disease yeah, or IV no. drug user <laughs> disease that yeah. they test the mothers for in the hospital multiple times throughout your pregnancy, as well as when you go to the hospital. They want you to have it. It's like they want you to be so sick. What That's is the rationale behind that? It's just crazy. We wouldn't give an animal in the laboratory when I, when I uh, gave injections. I did not inject neonate animals because their immune system is not developed at all. And, uh, and children's immune systems are not developed when we're giving so many of these injections. So that's another problem mm-hmm. uh, where we're possibly causing great harm by giving an injection at a time when the immune system and even the blood brain barrier is so delicate yeah. and still developing. It, it just, I, I really think there needs to be more research that's not poo-pooed and looked as anti-vax and all this silliness. Yeah, exactly. that really- that, yep. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing I think that really pushes people underground because of the shame that they're going to get for refusing. But um, I do, I, I did talk to a few people about mm-hmm. the, the vaccination schedule because I have a son that has autism and I always ask other mothers, you know, what are your opinions on that? And um, everyone that I've talked to, well, they all have very strong opinions about vaccines, but it varies from like no vaccines at all to only select vaccines to, and one I thought was really interesting was that um, we really shouldn't be giving any vaccines until the child is about five years old when they fully until have their immune vaccine. systems yeah. are more developed. Right? And I think that probably is the one that makes the most sense. I think that as far as like vaccinations go, I think that mothers should have a choice. They shouldn't be pressured into anything. I do feel like they should be, we should, it is on us to educate ourselves on what these vaccines contain and what they're for and the disease that they're 
they're supposed to fight? Is it something that maybe you're- And what is the incidence of that? Or what was it before we vaccinated? Or how about other countries like France? So France has adopted a different, there are lots of people that don't vaccinate their children with what we vaccinate our children with in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, Many people, yet their incidence of disease is actually lower than ours is here. So um, there's there's a great paper that just came out by Dr. Brian Hooker and um, another author, which showed the incidence of different, and I'll send it to you, that of asthma, autism, cancer, a, a variety of disease in they didn't have a completely non-vaccinated. They only had a partially vaccinated population to compare against for the most part as compared to a fully vaccinated population. And the results were astounding, even in the partially vaccinated. So that's not even like a full contrast of a normal control group. Exactly. It's not, but if you saw these graphs and the data, it was just remarkable. I mean, you would never vaccinate your kids again with anything, seeing Uh this data and seeing uh, um, what they went through statistically to analyze this data. Uh, Although I saw it was quickly criticized, oh, these methods are not, you know, uh, clear methods. The children are the children in the study. The children have these diseases. They're real people. Statistical methods are not. These children, Mm -hmm. if you only believed half of the statistics, the the graphs go like this for the vaccinated compared to this for the partially vaccinated. If that gives you, I mean, for the fully vaccinated, it's astounding. Um, So I think people really need to be questioning what's going on when we were kids, when I was a kid, we got four vaccines at most, most got three. Mm-hmm. And now we're giving polio. <laughs> uh, yes. So polio, we did, I didn't get smallpox, but polio, uh, tetanus, uh, I think whooping cough. I don't think they had the MMR back then. Um, uh, maybe measles. And, uh, and versus like the normal schedule these days is like 70 plus yeah, for kids. That's, that's a lot. That's, yeah. that's too much to perturb the immune system. The amount of adjuvant that you have to adult. get along with that is, is yeah, they, they've done the computations that the fact that the childhood dose when you give those multiple vaccines, plus you can't tell if a child has an adverse reaction to which Correct. vaccine, if you're giving them all at once, Correct. Uh, you don't know which one they've had the reaction to. Yeah. So you don't know how to guard against that in the future. And of course, many of the excipients are, or adjuvants are particular to the particular types of vaccines. So one may mm-hmm. use egg or albumin, another may have fetal cell components. Um, and so you don't know going forward what you can then vaccinate or not vaccinate based on the adjuvant. It's not just the vaccine, the protein um, or, uh, from the bacteria or virus, but, uh, it's also the adjuvant that you could have been allergic to, which right. may be commonly used in many other vaccines. So how would you know? Yeah. And that's another thing I was going to, th- I was thinking of too, because, you know, as I was, um, working in the hospital and I was working in hospice too, there was kind of like a push to make sure that our elderly patients were getting, 
like the pneumonia and the flu vaccine that those mm-hmm. like that would seem to be a big push to try and make sure they got that because they're so you know they're elderly we don't want them to have vulnerable them. right right mm-hmm. so um and i was reading or i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how it seems like there's like not only are we have, seeing a rise of young people being diagnosed with autism but there's a lot of older people Early that are dementia. Being, getting dementia Early alzheimer's dementia. yep mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um i've been following up on that as well um yes there's an increase in both now whether it's due to our diet polypharmacy that was another thing too um uh, the oh, cases yeah. that I that I have in my practice every day, I I'm horrified by the amount of medication that people take at once. It's not common, uncommon, to see ten plus medications at a time in someone in their forties, mm-hmm. and that's, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my estimation, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't imagine why someone that age. Um, I guess my husband and I are just lucky that neither of us take anything. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Jancy, that's your that's your health privilege. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think how can these many people be this sick? And of course, I perhaps get enriched for that by the cases that I have. But at the same time, I also do, you know, alcohol cases and and drug cases and accident cases. So these people would not necessarily be the types that are injured uh, as I have in tort cases that would be requiring Mm -hmm. more medication. These are just people that started taking medication young and then needed more medication for the side effects of the medication that they were taking, which caused another problem which they needed more medication for to treat that problem well and it seems like a lot of the medications that they give elderly people are things that you could control with your diet too like high cholesterol medication alternative non-pharma medications right yeah yep just dear god just like why are we so as a society adverse to just eating healthy i don't understand (laughs) because there's a large pharmaceutical uh lobby and uh basically they've taken over every aspect of every industry mm-hmm. to push to for people to take take this medicine you'll feel better they advertise it everywhere take this medicine and it'll cure it ask your doctor for this medicine for this problem and then they'll list all the side effects at the end you know take this for this common itchy skin condition you have the side effects may include death and sudden suicide you know, arrest uh parkinson's kidney and failure chronic neurological damage but you won't have that itchy rash anymore yeah <laughs> so- live your life it's free <laughs> But it's also like the food pyramid too is just so is so wrong. Even the new is. is not correct. And you know mm-hmm. they talk about um, you know I understand like every human body is different, and you know we have to feed it differently. And we have We're to not that differently. different. Yeah, but you know it's like obviously if you have diabetes you really cannot have carbohydrates. Like that's another thing. You actually can. That's a new. So that's that's something. I have two sisters with juvenile diabetes. And when they grew up, uh, the thing was no sugar, no sugar at all. Mm-hmm. Now the whole di- the whole diabetes world has turned around. You moderate your sugar in a certain way so that you're taking in certain amounts of carbohydrates and certain amount of other things. And you have these different acting insulins that help with that. 
but it's certainly not no sugar anymore. It's, it's far from that. Yeah. Um, and the whole keto diet, uh, contradiction to what we always thought about, for instance, taking excess fats to lower your cholesterol, mm-hmm. right? It right. really does lower your cholesterol, taking excess fats to lower your, um, blood sugars and, and heal, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, we are really carnivores for the most part, or we're supposed to be. Uh, I had a friend who was a vegan who was very overweight for many years. She switched to a keto diet where she went to primarily meat and a little vegetables, and she lost 100 pounds. Wow. That's... Yeah. I'm sure her heart was very thankful. I just know for myself, like if I eat anything with carbohydrates in it, I, I can't think clearly. I get kind of depressed. Now that is real, less, especially processed, carb, yeah. right? Processed. Mm-hmm. How do you feel though when you eat healthy carbs, like when you eat like fruit? Um, brown rice or things? Sweet that, like, potatoes. You know, yeah, something that's potatoes. a little more healthy as a, or fruit, right? Yeah. As opposed to the processed, heavily processed yeah. food. Yeah, I I typically just, if I'm going to have carbs, I'm going to eat fruit mm-hmm. or vet, some kind of vegetable. I don't really eat like rice. I'm not a big, I just don't really like rice that much. So, mm-hmm. but I've had, but, you know, I've done quinoa, quinoa and stuff like that. But really, you know, I try to just limit all of the, that stuff because breads and pastas yeah. and all that heavy stuff. Yeah. It does put you into kind of a food coma yeah. Yeah. after, mm-hmm. especially in, the processed stuff. In the hospital, like when we would have mm-hmm. diabetic patients, we would give them like wheat bread and stuff like that. And that is not even, it's not, it's not really it's, an improvement. It's not an improvement at all. It's still no, because they put so many sugars in it. Yeah. It's still heavily processed. Yeah. It's not, it's not old fashioned. I mean, so like even the hospital's not really looking out for you. I hate to say it, but. (laughs) I mean, it's all in the name, Food and Drug Administration. And like uh, you were saying, Jancy, I mean, like the same people corrupted the drug, the pharmaceutical drug industry and and lobby that regulatory body as they do with food. And, you know, a lot of times it's literally actually the same companies and it's all connected. And, but again, here it goes back to, right? Like Jancy, you and I are normally not, and Jesse too, like we happen to be, you know, like free market capitalists, right? So we want, we want people to own businesses, start businesses, sell products, make products. Yeah. But the big part of that is like, one, we absolutely don't believe in cronyism. So like lobby, lobbying the government to get what you want and to protect your company, to have liability taken away, to be indemnified. That's not free market capitalism. No, uh, it's not. That's it, a big it's strike. not fair to the consumer. Like what, mm-hmm. would you buy a car from a car company that that had no liability for their brakes. You wouldn't. They said, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, we sell so many cars and in order to get these cars to you at a good price, we're going to stop saying that our brakes are safe. We're, we're not going to back that up anymore or any of our car parts for that matter. We'd like total indemnity, but please drive our cars and we're going to make the government tell you that our cars are safe and effective, <laughs> but we're just not going to have liability anymore for that because... Yeah, we really can't guarantee that it's safe. And now to like keep working with that analogy, it's like now you have to buy that car, right? You're being mandated. Right. Some people are being mandated to buy, to buy that, that car. car. Right. 
it, it doesn't make and any put sense. Your family and people in that have car. to wake up to that. People have to turn their brains on and say, why am I allowing myself to be manipulated to this degree? Uh, wake up sheeple. If yeah. I could say anything, wake up, <laughs> turn off your TV, get on some alternative media, think for yourself, quit buying uh, the party line, think for yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, that includes like reading some things you may not have read before, uh, asking yourself why you're vaccinating yourself for a disease that you have literally no chance of mortality for, yeah. um, and that's not protecting your older loved one that you might've gotten the shot for in the first place, since you have but, a better yeah. risk of infecting them with a variant mm -hmm. than, uh, than not getting the shot at all, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, Garrett Vandenbosch and, and Luke Montier and several other people have averred that the the people that are vaccinated are little mini gain of function laboratories because yep. this is a leaky vaccine. They can get the virus, they can pass on the virus. So they're essentially mini gain of function labs that can pass on very virulent mutants to their loved ones that they were originally trying to protect. Great job. You know, that's not their fault. The, the, the CDC knows this, scientists knows this, and they're still pushing this vaccine on people that are trying to protect their loved ones. Shame on them. I mean, the thing is, though, it's like, why? You know, that's the question that everybody has. Like, why would they do, why would they want to kill so many people? Why would they want to right. harm so many people? They can't be that evil. Yeah. And it's just you know, they asked that of uh, the, the Nazi uh, scientists and generals in the Nuremberg trial. And what they said was the they got away with what they got away with because what they did was so horrific and so far above what people would believe that actually the more horrific it was, the less people would believe that it could be done by a human. Um, so uh, that's how they got away with it. There are lots of quotes on that. Look up, look, look up Hitler quotes, or you'll find all kinds of lovely memes on how they got away with what what they got away with. So that's something that you just touched on that I, you know, how the joke is or the running meme is like, I was today years old. Well, so I wasn't today years old, but I was this many years old before mm -hmm. I really learned or was told or taught that um, just how much medical professional involvement the Nuremberg trials are about you know like we are just told experimenting you know, America good Germany was bad Hitler really bad Hitler mm -hmm. Nazis bad Nuremberg trials no more Nazis Nazis put to death and just like you know very much like oversimplified but really as you were saying and as you know we do kind of learn about these awful experiments that were going on at the concentration camps by whom with the twins the doctors oh yeah. God. the doctors were the doctors and medical professionals who were not supposed to harm children were injecting children especially twins with um agents just to see how much it would take of a certain poison to kill them they were impregnating women with uh, animals in some cases to try to see if they could carry a pregnancy. They were doing horrific, horrific experiments on these people and um, that, that would just make your skin crawl. Um, no well, anesthesia, there, um, no anything. 
Um, I think there was a, like a, it was something that I've only ever heard Jordan Peterson mention, but another similar, like, if you actually look into it, horrifying, um, quote, scientific or medical experimentation done by like Japanese over a certain group. Right. The Chinese. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the Chinese were as well. And and vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like these, these things have happened before we've Mm -hmm. learned about them in history. Maybe a lot of them were glazed over or, um watered down in certain ways and i think you know there's nothing there's nothing i believe happens coincidentally i think messaging is perfected um you know so and the propaganda is propaganda curtailed curtailed to make us learn and remember and think certain things and so you know i'm not at all surprised that there's still so much that i learn every single day that i didn't know before and the reason I didn't know it before was because of the way we were being taught. I I agree. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm going to probably sign off here pretty soon. No worries. But I, but I want to, I want to have a message of hope and a message of strength that we can stop this, but it is up to us to stop this mm-hmm. and to say it in an active manner that we will stop this that we will stand up and stop what's going on, stand up for our rights, stand up for our children. We are not gonna stand back and say, there's nothing we can do, they're too powerful. No, that's not true. There's many more of us than there are of them and we can throw their butts out of office. We can absolutely get rid of these corrupt politicians, these corrupt lobbyists, these pharma shills, We can absolutely get rid of these people and put them in jail. We just have to do it. So get up off your couch, get up off, you know, get out of your comfort zone and stand up for your kids, stand up for yourself and for humanity and do something, fight back. Don't let yourself be trampled on and and enslaved by these psychopaths. This really is a big That's my message of hope and we can do (laughs) it. We can do it. Love and light and God and, and, uh, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what this time is about. Yeah. We are all here for a reason. This, uh, this is not just one of those things where it's like, it's not polite to talk about at dinner time or like we really should yeah. just like keep no, politics. This is a big to. deal. Like this is, we have, I have watched over the last year, thousands of people die that did not have to, if they were just That's given right. the right treatment. I saw people put on ventilators before they tried anything else and that killed them people who were refused oh, no. medications that would have saved them. And now yep. here we are watching people getting shot up with these weird biological <laughs> experiments. And we yep. don't know what the long-term effects are. That's another whole thing that we didn't even really get a chance to talk about. But we, there, you know. No, we don't. But well, I'd, I'd love to let you know, I've been doing a lot of research into that in the past couple of days. Maddie knows on treatments for mm-hmm. people that have gotten the vaccine and and serine protease inhibitors and different um, inhibitors of the pathway that can cause the pathogenesis from spikes. So there is hope. Good. Um, uh, there, I've been doing a lot of research and I'd love to come back on once I've finished and, and yeah, you know, let people know what they might do to help ameliorate some of this. Yeah, yeah. we'd love an update down the line. Yeah. yeah. Not as a treating 
doctor, of course, but just as someone who's looking at the research and looking at what inhibition points in the pathways are. Yep. And and you don't have to be a treating doctor to read the reports and the records that other treating doctors are putting together Mm -hmm. that are, you know, putting their, their degrees, their, their livelihoods on the line as well and are getting shunned. Exactly. So, you know, you can read, I can read, we can think critically and that's what we have to do. And there's more and more coming out, you know, don't lose hope. Please don't lose hope. There are more doctors and more scientists coming out now. It just took, maybe it's that 100th monkey syndrome. Mm -hmm. It just took more of us to come out and say something, be hopeful, be, be positive. We are going to change this. We're going to turn it around. And thank you guys so much for what you're doing. I'm so proud of you being as young as you are and, and active as you are in getting the truth out on so many levels. I, I can't thank, thank you. you enough. Is there anywhere, um, if people wanted to contact you, um, how would you be okay with that? They or could email me. Any- yeah, okay. just, just share my email address. I can't always get back to everybody. I get a lot okay. of emails these days. I do try my best. I send studies out all the time. I really do. I don't have a social media platform while I, where I post things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all together. I think maybe uh, what people, what uh, maybe be the most like best <laughs> thing that you could do. Not that you've got like free time or anything, but you know, especially if people are emailing you, if you um start to put together some kind of I newsletter, send it to you. And just, yeah, you could do that. <laughs> and you could yeah. post it somewhere. You can post yeah. it on your side if you felt comfortable doing that. I mean, I, yeah, we can. The research. I mean, what I would be sending you is research studies, basically yep. the papers. Yep. The peer reviewed uh, science on, on this. And, uh, and then occasionally um, I just got on a telegram channel for some doctors where I've been posting anecdotal reports from health professionals, Jesse, like, like you've said, where people have sent me reports of patients Mm -hmm. and then I don't put the person's name. I just put the report so they can see. So these doctors can see, uh, from fertility issues to um, pancytopenia to thrombotic events, heart attacks, mm-hmm. uh, neurological events, so that they can see what's being reported by other people. And maybe if they see that in their practice, then they'll know that that could be vaccine associated. That's know? true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's the time to ask questions, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much yes. for having me on. Thank you again. And Thanks for coming I, on. I really appreciate your work and have me on again sometime yes, after yes. I finish doing my latest research. Yes, yes absolutely. Definitely. We'll need an okay. update at some point soon. So thank you and have a good night, Dr. Lindsay. Hey, Jancy, <laughs> please. But you guys have a good night as well. All right. All thank, right. You. thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye. And so Vixies, that was Dr. Jancy Lindsay. Like I said, a She's become a very good friend of mine and a colleague. And, um, you know, even though we're technically not working together right now because she had the balls, yes, the balls as a female to say no. She did not want to work for the company that she was uh, consulting on behalf of because of what they were doing with this vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so she, her, her courageous and heroic act of saying no and turning down money, even though you know, what she was working on, the project she was working on, and similar to projects that I work on, you know, there's, there's validity there, there's truth there. And 
there's nothing wrong with that story. However, the same company is doing some very shady and unethical things when it comes to this vaccine. So, uh, yeah, no, I let her be my example and I try to live up to that on a day-to-day basis. Um, but it ain't easy. So, um, where you guys can find us, uh, as usual, we're most active on Instagram. I posted on our story today. This will come out, you know, a few weeks from now. But so I think we might start more continuously pointing you guys to an, um, to a backup account of ours. Uh, so not only are we on at Voluntary Vixens on Instagram, we are also at Girl Foxes Who Nap. <laughs> and then just, you know... We're having some controversial guests on, so if we get if we get booted, and Jesse likes to share all the spiciest memes we can find, so so if we get booted, you want us to at least we want you to at least be able to find us um, quickly somewhere else. Um, we are thinking about other ways to branch out, as usual. Um, so in the meantime, though, we're still on Twitter at Vixens Voluntary. Then we have a Patreon um, if you feel so compelled to donate to our cause as as we've said before like you know when we've um, accumulated some money we've not it doesn't go to us we kind of let it sit there grow so that when we have a cause to donate to we have something to actually put forward so that's what your donations lead to um is that it jesse email us you can feel free to email us vixens or no no voluntary vixens at gmail.com we are happy to communicate. We want to talk to you guys, you know? So anything else, Jesse? No. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to sign us out then? Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just leave it here. And if you guys can just keep it sane and keep it peaceful and keep it voluntary. <laughs>